Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. Sponsored by Pella Columbus. Windows and doors that go beyond. All right, let's get after it today. Rothman and Ice. He's alive. That's right. It wasn't the Vegas flu. I'm telling you, as God is my witness, it was not the Vegas flu. Uh, Anthony Rothman here, Matty Ice to my right, CB behind the glass. Great to see you, boys. Did I miss anything? Oh, uh, you missed a uh, you missed a few things. Actually, <laughs> it was quite the end of the week here in Columbus. You got you know the front end of it with the Chris Holtman news, and uh, that ended nicely on the ba- Buckeye basketball front. But sandwiched in between all of that, AR was some some type of news happening with yeah. the Blue Jackets, man, that you you may have missed. But before we get to all of that, man, it's uh, it's good to see you again. You, you sound a lot better. Hey. You gave us a a couple Jordan flu games. You gave us everything that you had, which we appreciate. But yeah, man, sometimes you got to. Uh, Go sit on the bench for a couple games, and sometimes it's you know the coaches doing, and it's this combination of things. But you're a fighter, and uh, we love to have you back. And, and thanks to Dave Biddle for us uh, sitting yes. in your seat and holding it down for a couple. Yeah, shows, that's man. outstanding. Yep. So uh, that's a a great deal when you can have a guy like Bid step in for you, so you don't miss anything. If somebody would have gotten fired on Friday, I I told Fish I I was sneaking in. Like somehow, like that was not going to happen. I think we probably would have uh, shipped equipment to you. Nobody else could have been point. fired, right? Well, well, There's nobody else. I mean, you get you know, crew won a title. You can't do yeah, it. No, no, they're they're good. Which, by the way, it's still throwing me off how quickly their turnaround is. Like those guys are getting ready to get busy out there uh, on the field again. What's up, CB? What do you got? No, I was just going to say, I think uh, cruise misses this weekend. Yeah, it's absolutely insane how crazy their their turnaround is. But yes, AR, it was uh, it was wild, and I did ask myself. That question prior to the show on Friday yeah. is who else is uh, who else maybe on the no. chopping block? But it didn't happen. Didn't yeah, happen. It, it comes in threes, but that was nine. maybe those two added up to three, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And <laughs> certainly, it's a uh, it's been a wild ride. Now you knew what was going to happen with CBJ because of the thing that was put in motion, you know, with Babcock and the fact that they could not catch fire out of the shoot. The, the one thing I do regret, you know, we had Yarmo on during, and I do want to say this. Yarmo supported, came to my golf outing for homeless to home with torts, Raz torts all the way around the course. It was more fun to watch those two kind of go at it on the golf course in a way than anything else. And, you know, he was there the entire time. And certainly I've, I've been to his golf outing, which is tremendous cause and his, his uh, lovely family leading the way there. So I, I do, I do wish him well. I think he's, uh, a hard worker. You have to hit on more first rounders than you don't. You do. And, you know, it's, I do think we also got into a very weird situation this year with, aside from the Babcock stuff, which, you know, ultimately the blame does fall on him. And, you know, whether Babcock got into his bag of tricks once he got the job, you and I talked about it um, forever. But I also think things got weird in the last month or so when, you know, 
Yarmo says, you know, stuff, coach's decision, and then Pazzy says that's above his pay grade. It didn't seem like they were on the same page. Yeah. I think the communication certainly was lacking with how they were managing guys and young kids. And Do we open the door and let all the young kids go? Do we make them earn their shifts, earn their minutes, which is usually the way to go? But they're kind of in survival mode right now. I think they're bad decisions. And the weird part about it is whoever the GM, and we'll talk to Greg Wyshynski at 133. He's the senior NHL writer at ESPN and see who's on his list. But I think these are going to be what they call easy, hard decisions because the new guy can always be the bad guy. <laughs> the new guy can always make those those calls. And I said to you guys real quickly, whoever the new GM is, and I, I'm not saying that you couldn't stay in-house uh, with Clarkie or Nash or whatever, but I would say that if you want someone to make hard decisions, that probably needs to come from the outside. It really does. And I've said to both you guys, you know, people say, oh, well, he's going to first thing he's do is going to get his own coach in here. I'm like, yes. But my feeling is that that's not a, a lock. And I'll tell you why. And I only say this just my gut says GMs like their jobs, too. And if you start your own clock ticking, unless there's a coach he has to have, he could have Pazzy for another year and start his eval year with him. And if things go south, well, you're making a move by Christmas. You will. And then you'll get a coach in here and whatever. But if he has to have a guy, but I think I think he may get a chance to make some hard decisions roster wise, and then either let Pazzy have his year, and then start the GM clock ticking later. Because if he gets his guy, then his clock starts ticking immediately. This is your guy. You hired him. Here we go. So I I wouldn't rule out unless he's got a guy. I'm sure he has a guy in mind. And then the other moves that are going to have to be made, he's going to bring in his own guys. Too. I mean, there's going to be a shakeup up near the top in that front office mm-hmm. with the GM. But back to, to Yarmo, I, I think for every guy, for every Bjork strand, you can't have, because yeah. he's a no, third rounder. I mean, that's a great pick. Um, imagine, you know, Carlson, Wenberg, PLD, these guys that aren't here anymore. Reichel and Dano, you can't, they didn't play much. And I, I feel mm-hmm. like. That's it. But I I don't think you're firing him based on past hits and misses. I think this is about a f- turning a fresh page on this. And I've heard like could a could a new guy come in here and like put Boone on the chopping on the trade blind? Like you want to talk about a PR nightmare. Trade that guy. But it's yeah. it's happened before in Torts mm-hmm. when Johansson when that Johansson trade, I think that happens because of Torts. Honestly. I think that's you have to know where you are as a franchise. And I think the Columbus Blue Jackets have struggled always trying to stay relevant. And it's the hard moves you have to make. And sometimes a coach with 25 years experience can identify what he wants and bring things to the surface and coach guys hard to find out what they're about. And so I do think the GM is going to be able to make what I'd call the easy, hard decisions because he'd be new and he can play the bad guy. But I do wish Yarmo well. I think he wanted what was best for this franchise. He lasted a long time. And then... You know what else happens, Maddie, and you know this. You don't want to be in the news for non-hockey stuff a lot. Yeah, it's tough. And it always feels like, remember when you had J.D. on, I said, well, um, you know, you're the ringleader or whatever I said to him. I go back to managing the circus. And he was like, circus? <laughs> circus is baby stuff along what side's going on here. Yeah. So I think that's what they have to get back to is make some hard decisions. And they got some bad contracts, dude. They got young core that will find out whether that's blue chip talent. Moving forward, but you still got 
Elvis and Goody and Severson and those contracts that are pretty hefty. And so it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do to kind of reset and admit a little bit on that you do need to reset. Chicago can go through it. The Flyers can go through it. The worst thing that's happening to Philly is they're winning. Like that's This is a rebuild year for them. Yeah. And so a lot of times when you try to stay relevant, you kind of float. And that's the tough place to be, right? If you're, you're maybe, you know, use the term serving two masters at the same time. And I'm not saying that's exactly what's been going on, but there has been, I think for me, at least the feel of, well, which way is this franchise going? Are we handing the keys over completely to majority of young guys? Or are we trying to split the difference where have young guys get experience, but also have veteran guys that are getting paid decent money doing the same thing? And that can be a tough place to be. And I got an email after JD at his press conference last week, and it was just a Jacket fan that is frustrated with hearing about the process, right? And I know J.D. used that word, and he's kind of, he said on the air, you know, sometimes I feel like I don't use it enough. And this fan base, I think, has done an amazing job of showing up and supporting this team over the last couple of years to where the product on the ice hasn't been mm-hmm. very good. And I think there's some Jacket fans are that are frustrated with hearing about, well, we have all these guys in the pipeline, we have all this talent, or we're either not seeing them or they're not getting a ton of playing time. And those are the things that I think need to get ironed out moving forward. You laid it out well. This is going to be a very interesting offseason because there's a lot of moving pieces. GM, what's happening at head coach. You're picking high up in the draft. Contract situations with restricted free agents and all of those things. So it's going to be a fun um, offseason for us on the outside to see how they go about that. But that's just what I want to see moving forward is a plan and here a plan of yes. is everybody going in the right direction and in the same direction because if you don't have that then i think sometimes you can fall into the situations that we've been in and i thought you brought up a great point when you are a hockey team that's in columbus and you're not in new york or you're not in anaheim or wherever those first round picks become so much more valuable because that gives you more runway when you hit on those guys and you have them under contract and you don't have to go out in free agency and hope and pray that these guys are willing to come to you we all know how great columbus is we live here, but we, I think a lot of us understand that it's hard to compete with certain markets. So that angle of this combined with everybody being on the front on in the front office on the same page, I think is going to be paramount for this franchise moving. They got to get leaders. Yeah, like, that's that's. I mean, outside of Boone, obviously, and um, it's always great. And I've told you this: that your best players have to be your leaders. And if you have spotty leaders, I mean, you can have a guy like. Duchesne and slide him up and down when you've got good leadership. Um, but with Nikki gone and Jonesy gone and, you know, it, it just, it became, it becomes a tough deal. I thought this year, and a lot of people did, that if you could get some solid tending from Elvis, you could score your way out of some messes this year. Like there was such a hard time scoring yeah. last year. And maybe if things, if they stayed healthy, you could score your way out of it. I mean, Lars had an AHL roster. I mean, that was absolute joke on what he had to put on the ice sometimes Mm -hmm. but nobody wants to make the very hard decision sometimes you have to strip it down and but it's weird because when johnny goudreau drops in your lap and says i want to live and play in columbus ohio it can change things it can can but it also you're backing up the truck and it changes your rebuild retool it does and some teams are ready to say no we're good we're good right now because can he carry us Mm mm-hmm not Austin Matthews. Can he carry us? He's Connor McDavid. No, that's the difference. And so their assets now are are kind of when you're a cap team, the bottom of the league, and you have several bad contracts. Mm. It's tough. Yeah. And so 
They got good players. It's not a good team. And so what is that? It's potentially leadership. And I mean, I can't wait to see what happens with what they're going to do at the trade deadline because, and, and we'll talk about it as we get closer, but I did want to get that out. I appreciate that. I do oh, want I think to mention a lot of people, that Yarmo, I think a lot of people yeah. were waiting to hear your yeah. take, take on this. Hey, oh, You're I'm, wasting your fan support. I, I'll just leave it at there that. There you go. You've been wasting fan support yep. and they know it. And guess what? They're afraid to tell this gold medal fan base that we're in a total that we're rebuilding and we have to make tough decisions and we're trimming fat and they it's I tough. Think it's because, okay. Of course, I think it it's is. okay to do that be at this honest. point. Yes, yeah. be honest. Yeah. At that point, and sometimes you just have to rip the band aid off and go down to the basement and work your way back up. And I know JD's talked about this even yeah. with us on Hockey and Hounds that for young players at this level, sometimes it can put you in a bad spot. But I think on the flip side of that too, there can be valuable experience that you learn from going through tough times and playing with grown men and knowing what it takes to travel and do all these different things. Like I think it's okay to have that. I want us to go in that direction. I know that's easier said than done when you're over there at the front office and you're a coach and all of those things. I get it. But I think for me, my gut is telling me that the type of reset that you were talking about is a complete tear down and just start over and hand this thing over to your young guys that could be stars in the future. That's where I'm at. Well, and I think that's a a very common belief, and I will just replay devil's advocate a little bit, which I have, which is I'm all for getting guys' experience. I want them, it has to be, as we say on the show, 50-50 lemon lime. You've got to make guys earn shifts too. You can't just open the door and say every young kid gets to play because then you get some entitlement and then it's like, wait a minute, did they really earn those minutes? And it's uh, like we we come back to. They need a tough decision guy now. They do. And you got to get the current management. They're going to have a tough time making tough decisions, this current management. And that's why they probably did what they did and they swung big. Did CB bet on his Buckeyes? Remember last week before I left? Last, don't answer this, but the last (laughs) thing I said, I think before, the last thing I could say, I think with my (laughs) lack of voice was, you better back the Buckeyes now because you only get a first chance. I'm sorry. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression after you get your coach fired. And this is what happens. We'll talk about it next. Rothman and Ice and the Fan. Bobby Carpenter doesn't have a mullet, but he's knee-deep in mullet energy. Morning Juice with Bobby and Beamer. Weekdays starting at 6. The Fan. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Sponsored by Pella Columbus. Windows and doors that go beyond. All right, a little bet 365 time. Boy, did I get my you-know-what handed to me in golf betting this weekend. Hideki Matsuyama comes out of nowhere to win at Riv. That got crazy. And I I had roulette board covered every number except him. Um, By the way, the Daytona 500 is today, correct? It was rained out Sunday. And so in in an odd move... I might as well grab somebody today at the 500. All right. Um, What do you got, big dog? I like, uh, I'm looking at him right now at Bet365. 
I do think I have to have somebody at the top. So I'm going to put in Denny Hamlin at 11 to 1. And then I think I'm also going to grab somebody a little lower down at 18 to 1, Martin Truex Jr. Because he's an old dude. He's been there. I don't know if he could win. But Maddie. When you're 0 for 37 at Daytona, you maybe do? you're due. You're due. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so I just feel like at a speedway, oh, I'd rather have somebody like He's never reached victory lane at a super speedway, but why? maybe today's the day. Maybe the postponement and all that. He's a guy in his 40s, and so he's going to retire soon. Like I'm not saying they're going to gift him anything here, but there's a chance that this might be his final start. So why not grab him at eighteen to one? Sounds good yeah. because it's never ordinary at Bet Three Six Five. Sign up at oh bet three six five dot com. Twenty one plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred Gambler. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Amazing, I remembered. Um, I jumped. I jumped the start of the show on Thursday. See, well, because see, they hit me with the Family Feud X, you know, and yeah. I was, it was, you know, it was right to do so. They I, had us, I set us behind in when you and I weren't looking, right? The <laughs> they open, did. they really did. Like that. By the way, that's the only update to our open we've had in four years. But <laughs> so why would we know? Oh, and so oh, I, I feel man. like you jumping that is. Yeah, it was first and fifteen to start the show on Thursday. You know, I didn't learn from you and your mistakes. Uh, I was so ready to go. There was a lot happening, you. and I'm just like, hold up. Play. Where did you get this? Hold up, play. Learned it from you, Dad. I learned it from watching you. Um, CB Buckeyes were getting eight and a half yesterday, and a lot of people thought that that wasn't enough, and that was the red flag. Now, full honesty, I talked myself into grabbing the points. I never bet them outright. I didn't. But I did think that they were going to bring some attitude. Whether attitude puts the ball in the hole, you never know. Here's the weird part about yesterday's game. You would think for them to beat Purdue, and all the energy they had from feeling, you know, listen, they, that this team has pride, and they also have probably a lot of respect for Chris Holtman. I, I have a feeling that they do. And I also feel like when players see their coach get fired, they feel a little bit responsible. Like, our guy's gone. Yeah. And we didn't play well enough to keep him. Now he's If gotta, you like your coach. If you like him, <laughs> and I'm going like to go him. on the assumption that, that they, they do. do. Yeah, yeah. And so what do you get when you have this? You get energy right out of the gate, right? This team fell down 8-0 mm-hmm. right out of the chute. You would think if they were going to win this game that a good start was the key of all keys besides Zed. And when you're trying to show new attitude, but there was so much, here's the tightrope Buckeye fans have right now. Where was this? It can't be all Jake Diebler. And I feel like, my God, give him every last bit of praise ever for getting these guys. But this set up perfectly. I think if this, if they fired Chris Holtman and they're taking on, let's say they're taking on Minnesota at home. um, I don't know if you get that kind of attitude. I think having the, having to Purdue, Right there in front of you, mm-hmm. four days to get ready. You knew they were going to put a lot into this, and that's a big key. What you mentioned there too is the effort. The target was, was, was the effort was tremendous. The target was big, but I think preparation was huge too. Right, a little bit of that bowl game vibe that you have to get ready. You got extra time to get ready for a big time opponent. But I thought their defense was tremendous. At least yeah. the effort and the juice on that end, I thought was really really special. You brought up Zed, and rightfully so. I mean, he was a thorn in the side of. 
you know, Zach Eady all afternoon long, right? With five steals in the game. And just think about the amount of swipes that we saw with him, active hands down there. And that's what you got to do. It's a big challenge going up against Eady. We know if he holds the ball up high, essentially he could just, you know, you know, flick his wrist in and the ball's going in. That guy's a, a heck of a player, but Z, Zed absolutely showed up and was big time. And then you had some key baskets down the stretch from Bonner and Thornton did their oh, thing. Yeah. It was just a well-balanced game. And then in the second half, that's what you're going to need because Purdue had those runs where they went 6-0 run, 7-0 run in the second half. But I thought the Buckeye offense did a good job of answering whether it was you know, Bonner, Thornton, or some other guys throughout the game. Just you couldn't ask for much more coming out of a uh, a tough situation for them with those guys losing their head coach. Uh, I think this is like I said. I mean, this is the chance. It all gets rolled into one. Coach got fired. Um, we're a little bit of a laughing stock now. Look at us. We got our coach fired. We're at home. Yeah. Here's a team that has a target on their back every time they play anybody. Purdue because they're bringing in Edie and they're number two in the country. I thought Zed not only played great defense. I thought he looked really good when he got double teamed in the post. He really looked to find guys. And and I'll tell you, um, you also need the ball to go in the basket. I mean, Middleton catch and shoot three, Bonner with a key three, Gale going right, winning with his left hand. That I mean, nice. stuff that we've known that he can do. I also thought the key to this game was Edie having to sit the last few minutes of the half because it's felt like everybody was getting to the rim. And now part of that is you have to recognize that and have the attitude and to go for it. But everybody was getting given goes to the rim when Edie was out and they took advantage of it. even Austin parks took advantage mm-hmm. of it. So that was pretty cool. But here's the other cool thing for Ohio state is that every game I've seen them be close in the last five minutes, they've died. They've just, they've, they've wilted yeah. whether it was the pressure because the season, and remember the season, this is what happened. It happened last year. Pressure is off. Freedom goes up. Now the talent can shine. We're not afraid. We're not playing not to lose anymore. We're playing to win. And they had a whole new page, a new canvas to paint on Saturday yeah. or Sunday. And so that's it. But when you're up, I mean, they were up five with five to go. They were up three with three to go. They've been in these positions before. And I thought that deep. And listen, let's also say battle going on fire to start the second half, Huge. putting them up a dozen, gave them the cushion to have that Purdue bounce back. And it was great that he did have those moments because it was a bit of a question mark coming into this game just because the the two games prior to that, you're talking a combined 11 points in the games against Maryland and Wisconsin. And that's going to happen with shooters, right? Especially a guy that doesn't put it on the deck a ton. He's going to stand out there and knock down threes and hurt you that way. And he was tremendous, right? Three of five, 60% from the three-point line. He gets in 19 and he get Thornton doing his thing, throwing in 22 points as well. So we mentioned the contributions from guys that came off the bench and Key and Bonner, but you have two of your five starters in Battle and Thornton that were really good too. Yeah, and Battle hit a big fadeaway at the end too. So great defense on Edie. Anytime you put the ball on the floor and the paint, they slapped it away. Um, but the transition from Chris to Jake was obviously had a lot of emotion wrapped into it. And here's Coach Diebler on its convo with Coach Holtman. Two things happened in the last few days that just really helped me. One was a conversation with Holt a couple nights ago that it just gave me kind of a, a confidence in, in him talking to me. And, and I'm not going to get into any details of the conversation, but that was really helpful for me. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that conversation. I'm just I'm so thankful to, to, to God to give me the, the peace and just the comfort to fill into this, this seat in, in what's been a challenging few days. Well, if there's anything he can do to be elevated, I think you're, you're – it's going to be an interesting ride for him. It feels a little bit 
like he's now just the caretaker to kind of get you to the end and feel good about the program and and continue the development of some of these guys. Yeah. But I give him a lot of lot of praise for wrapping that up. And there was a, there was a lot sunken into that, and they had a big crowd. So CB, did you bat him to win? Uh, no, it's funny is uh, the the two days you were out Thursday Friday. I followed your method, take the big home favorites in like a big parlay. Mm-hmm. Won that Thursday Friday and Saturday. And I got a little frisky with it. I added Purdue on the road to it for my Sunday version, and obviously that did not cash. You know I don't like road money line favorites. I know. No. I was just, you know, you win three in a row, you start to feel good about yourself. Well, and it's the mental hedge, right? Because you were obviously thrilled with the win, and you would have been paid if they lost. So, you, actually, you, you played it well. That's, that's a, good, a good call by you. All right, Greg Wyshynski is up next. He's the senior NHL writer at ESPN. We'll ask him about his list right now, GM candidates and the tough decisions that will be made over in CBJ land. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Wake up with the fan. Eat lunch with the fan. Go to bed with the fan. Dream about the fan. Then change your sheets. Gross. Ew, you guys are gross, but stick around in case I don't find anyone else. The fa- Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Their cholesterol numbers put all other fan hosts to shame. You are listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back into Rothman and Ice, and uh, thrilled to bring this guy onto the program, senior NHL writer ESPN. He's Greg Wyshynski, affectionately known as the Puck Daddy, or maybe the ex-Puck Daddy, um, but he is a new daddy, so uh, that's good to know. Congrats, <laughs> my man. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, her name's Iris. She's doing good. Uh, already, uh, you know, uh, conditioning her to become a devil's fan, uh, okay. as tradition of the family. So uh, <laughs> we'll see where that goes. I mean, it's, it's a, that's the that's the tr- that's the danger of it, right? Like you, you always wonder uh, when they'll reach their rebellious phase and come home wearing a Rangers Mark Messier jersey mm. just to you know screw with dad. But uh, hopefully, we don't get to that point. Well, either way, it sounds like you got a face painter in your future there. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's good. Um, all right, so busy times here in. Columbus land, of course. And listen, a lot of people think that the this uh, puck got rolling with the Babcock fiasco. Uh, it put Yarmo Kekalainen in a pretty tough spot. It put, obviously, John Davidson in a very tough spot. They weren't going to hand over, apparently, Yarmo the, the trade deadline here. That's probably the reason they made the move. But I think what everybody wants to know is, from what you're hearing, give me some, some GM candidates. Um, is this a, a coveted job? Will they have to spend a lot? Will they want to spend a lot? Just your take on that. Well, covet a job, I, I think so. I mean, not only I mean, we, you talk to GM candidates all the time, and, and the first thing I'll tell you is, look, there's only 32 of these, and, and some of them uh, simply aren't going to be uh, coming open anytime soon. So when one does come open, obviously it, it, it is a covet gig. And, and I've been saying since the beginning uh, of, of this process with Yarmo that I think Columbus is a pretty attractive place, <clears throat> not only for what's on the roster currently. I mean, you know, when your starting point is is some of the young players they have on the roster and in the system in particular, Adam Pantilli, I mean, that's a pretty good place to be. You're already kind of a step ahead in, in a rebuilding process. Um, but not only that, but obviously, like, you know, you, you want to go someplace where you're going to look good, right? And and we know where the bar is set in, in Columbus under Yarmo. They only had the one playoff series win, a shocking one, of course, the Tampa Bay one. 
but but you know they, they didn't really have a lot of success and so not only is it a market that you're you've got some pieces in place it's a market where any success above where the bar is currently set is going to be seen as a real breakthrough and then you know you talk to people around the league they know what columbus is they know it's a market that's going to pop off in the way that we've seen places like nashville for example pop off once their teams got successful for a sustained period of time so I think it's a, I think it's a real plum gig to be honest with you. And as far as where they might go, I mean, John Davidson. I was really encouraged to hear him say that they were thinking outside the organization. They've got some people internally who obviously I, I think could be really candidates. Chris Clark's a guy I like. Rick Nash is obviously being groomed for something. Um, but I like the idea of going outside the organization for maybe an audit of, of the totality of what's going on in Columbus. You know, Greg, you, you mentioned Adam Fantilli, and there definitely is a lot of excitement around him. When you look at the young core, because it, it does seem like, you know, the front office over there, they do believe that their future is bright. When you look at the Blue Jackets and their future versus maybe some other teams that are rebuilding around the league, where would you stack up the Jackets amongst those group of teams? Well, that's just it. I think, I think there's upward trajectory. I mean, you know, look, the Gaudreau situation is what it is. He's a, he's a talented guy on a very long-term contract. He, you know, he's 30, so he doesn't really necessarily fit into, you know, maybe the trajectory of where the team is right now. But that being said, uh, he's a real good player. Um, but then you look beyond that, everybody else is, is young. I mean, you've got, like I said, Fantilli's not even 20 yet, Kent Johnson, um, you know, there's some pieces to build around that are, that are there. And as, as you know, I mentioned Goudreau, I mean, that, that's what makes this job kind of intriguing is the idea that whoever comes in is going to have Goudreau, is going to have Wierenski, is going to have Severson and Provorov and some of the other pieces that, that Yarmo moved in to try to, like, stabilize the team or, 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 or get them moving forward. And, you know, you can you can use those pieces to ship out and acquire other things where you can see them as, you know, part of a short-term solution. So, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a very intriguing roster to take over if you're a GM um, and in a market that I think is, is just one of the, the better ones to try to turn around. All right, Greg, they got, they certainly do have some young talent, whether they become real blue chip talent over time, that that'll tell you what's going on here, but they do have a very big issue. It seems like in that, because they, you know, Elvis has been certainly playing better. Uh, Tarasov, how healthy can he be? I heard um, Weeksy say that Jack Grieve should be getting his shot here. But let's get back to Elvis. That's a $5.4 million hit. And can this guy really be a 62 game a season starter? And I don't even know what market there would be for a guy like Elvis. It just seems like another bad contract that they have right now. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the hit, but the hit's not the issue. The, the issue is the, the three years beyond this one mm-hmm. that you've got to take that hit on for. I mean, like, you look at a guy like um, Jake Allen with the Montreal Canadiens, for example. There's hand-wringing about taking on his contract for, you know, this year and next year. So the, the, the goal is to have term beyond next year. It's an even harder thing to do, especially when they're making the kind of money that, that Elvis is making. So. You're right. It's 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 a tough contract to move. It was if it was maybe more in the line of like he becomes the UFA after next season. I think they probably have a little bit more uh, ease with which they can move him because honestly, it's a pretty robust buyer's market for a goalie right now. If you look at the teams that you know currently are sniffing around the playoff bubble, like the Kings, the Devils, others that could certainly use 
another body uh, in, in, in the crease. Um, but to do it for, for that kind of term with that kind of money with somebody, like you said, that is a little bit more of a question mark than some of the other goalies available on the market. It's a tough gig. So zooming out from Columbus, just want to get your take on, you know, some of the best teams in the league right now between, you know, Florida and Vancouver and Boston from your eye test and covering this league very well, who, who for you right now is that team that you would back as we enter the most important portion of the NHL calendar? I've just been really impressed with Vancouver. Like there have been teams that have had it kind of yo-yoed up and down the, the standings and ebbed and flowed. Of, you know, Boston's a good example where at one point it was like, wow, look at them. They haven't missed a beat despite losing Bergeron and Krejci from last year's team and, you know, having that disaster in the first round of the playoffs. But now after the, the all-star break, they've really kind of regressed a little bit and, and some of the flaws not on that roster have come out. But Vancouver has just been steady, you know, slow and steady. Their goal differential has always been outstanding. Um, you know, they're getting contributions from throughout their lineup, but especially from their star players. The only thing that gives me pause is the fact that they've had incredible luck. I mean, the, I've, I've said for a while, the, the most impressive stat for the Vancouver Canucks currently is the number of games played for JT Miller, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, and Thatcher Demko in the sense that they've not had to deal with the injury absences that some of the other teams in this league have. And um, as long as that's still the case, they could win the cup. I mean, they're real good, <laughs> but uh, but you you wonder whether or not you know one of those gears will pop off the machine at some point because you know players get hurt and you never know when it's going to happen. Greg, give me a final take here on the Patrick Line situation right now. It's tough because obviously when you go into the player assistance program, you want to respect privacy and and hope he's getting the help he needs. But um, how does that affect moving a player? I mean, you can't. I mean, as long as he's in, in the program, you, you, you can't move him. Um, but, I mean, as far as, like, when he comes out and, and, and that, I mean, there's, there's obviously going to be a, a certain amount of time necessary to make sure that, uh, that he's gotten his life in order and, uh, and, you know, on the ice, off the ice, things are progressing in a, in a positive way. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it, it's more than, than a hockey question. I mean, it's, it's a really bright young talent, uh, a guy that, by, by all accounts, should have been, you know, one of the best goal scorers of his generation, and uh, and he's trying to put his life to get you know back together. So ho- hopefully he gets there. I, I love Line A. I think he's a really talented player and also a really interesting person off the ice. And and I hope that this is this is what he needs. Yep. All right, Greg. Thanks very much. As the uh, the world turns here in Columbus, we will turn to you in the future. <laughs> thanks, my man. Talk to you soon. Any anytime. Thanks for having me. You got it, Greg Wasinski, senior NHL writer at ESPN as we talk jackets in their transitional phase here. All right, we'll come back with a Buckeye Bulletin, and certainly a tough week. Players have put themselves in this position. They fought their way out on Sunday, how they handled the Holtman firing. You'll hear from Jameson Battle on that next. Rothman and Ice in the Fan. One, two, three. Here in the Fan is always football o'clock. Proud to be your home of the Buckeyes, Browns, and all the NFL games you can handle. The Fan. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Rothman and Ice present 
Politics. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the chill? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train furnaces, including 0% APR for 60 months. All right, Buckeye Bulletin time. Yeah, they're riding a high, Ohio State. They certainly are. You take down Purdue again. And, again, I what I mean is there's a feeling that Purdue is this, the toughest team in the world to predict. That they've got the biggest piece in the world, and yet somehow they can look average at times. But Ohio State shot them out of the gym a little bit. It was battle, and it was Bonner, and there were guys that made some big offensive rebounds. And here's the other thing. I forgot to mention this. They got a lot more points off turnovers. The hustle, the great defense, the trapping, the helping, the loose balls, chasing them out of bounds. I thought they got a very fortunate call. CB might agree with me. I can't remember who it was. Middleton or whatever was sliding on the floor. Got a late timeout with half his body out of bounds. I believe that was uh, Bonner. Was it Bonner? Okay. Yeah. And, um, but it was off a hustle play. It, and it was. this is the team. This is the real conundrum for all of us. Where was this? Why does it take a coach getting fired to play like this? And that's anybody's guess. It's human nature to to be freed up once your season is technically done. And it happened last year. And I'll tell you, man, when Purdue tied that game and then battle hits that nice fall, you thought, how much more can this team withstand? Like if they were to lost a close one yesterday, no one would have been, okay, big deal, right? They're supposed to lose. But... They gutted it out, Maddie, and it was one of those weeks, and you'll hear from Jameson, who hit one of the big baskets, on the firing and how it affected him. I think the biggest thing was just us collectively just coming together as a team and just within that adversity, growing closer and just staying present in the moment. I think that's something I've talked about this whole year and not letting the past uh, affect us and not letting what's in the future affect us. Just staying present in the moment, focusing on each day. You know, we had three really good days of prep uh, this week and then it showed on the court and we just went out there, had fun and just cut loose. Sometimes you can rally around positivity and sometimes you can rally around adversity. And I think that's exactly what we saw. Uh, this past weekend with that Buckeye basketball team is they had to fight through a lot of noise, right, with the firing of their their old head coach and Chris Holtman. But we've seen these flashes throughout the season. It's just never been consistent. And this Purdue team, you guys know I haven't trusted them. Oh, I haven't trusted them all year. Double D and then, loves them. You know, he he does love yeah. them. I don't see what he sees. I You know, I watched a team in UConn this weekend just take Marquette apart. AR, like, and that for me... You're like, my goodness. You talk about a big man that doesn't get talked about like Zach Eady does, but this Klingon dude is for real for them, and they got depth all over the place. So UConn is nasty yeah. coming out of this week, and I'm like, okay, I see the vision with them, but going back to Ohio State and the guy that we just heard from in Jamison Battle, you can have those games to where he really has that offensive firepower, but sometimes it's just not going to happen when you're a shooter. But I think in this game, you got the combination of – his timely shooting, as you mentioned, in the second half. But then you had a guy in Zed Key, and you guys mentioned Bonner. And both of those guys, whether it was defense or key buckets late in the game, they really brought this thing together as a whole 
the Ohio State basketball team did. So now we just got to see what type of effort we get on the road in a couple of days against Minnesota. But they, they should be where their feet are right now, and they should absolutely enjoy this win against Purdue because they earned that on the court. But off the court, even getting to that point before tip-off, they had to fight through some things too. And that sometimes that's not easy, and I thought they did a good job handling everything. No, it's this wasn't just catching Purdue on an off day. Yeah. I mean, Purdue went 20 for 20 at the line. 20 for 20, yeah. and Ohio State beat them. And and so I feel like the last two words that he said, have fun and cut loose, I think that was the key to the game because they were no longer playing with the weight that they were playing for their coach's future. I, I think a lot of people use that phrase, you know, dead man walking or whatever. Like It felt like when the three of us were in Vegas and they lost, you know, the 18-point lead at home in Indiana – like, imagine the weight on that team now. Not only do they know their coach is most likely gone unless they pull a miracle. Imagine being a team that doesn't have many miracles to go to. They don't have a bag full of miracles. Like, they don't have that guy. They don't have that. And so I really enjoyed watching this team hustle and then win a close game. Like, sometimes you catch a team on an off day and you shoot them out of the gym. You get a false sense of, okay, man, this is amazing. We hit everything we looked at. Think about the fact that Purdue came all the way back down a dozen in the second half and tied them up. That's a fragile team right now. But they stayed with the, we got nothing to lose, man. Our coach is gone. Like, we're not going anywhere. Like, it's an eerie thing from last year. What what this program needs to get to is, how good can we be when games matter? Um, and I'm not saying this game doesn't matter. In the big picture, it, it probably doesn't. But they beat a 23-win team, and they had a full house. And it mattered. So here we are. Let's uh, also hear from, and I know CB has a couple other cuts that I want to bring up. And one of them was from Bruce Thornton, CB, on the week it was. This one, uh, my hardest, my, my weirdest, most dramatic times being a college basketball player just last past week. Um, it's not normal when your, your head coach get fired middle of the season and you finna play probably the most, probably could be a number one, uh, number one seed, probably in March Madness uh, coming up soon. Um, but I just told our guys what we got right now. Um, things happen, college basketball is a business. So we just took um, every day, one day at a time, three days out. We won that day, two days out. We won practice another day. And we kept doing that. Then leading up to the game, you just see your teammates with the confidence, with the swagger that about about them. That doesn't matter who we play. Um, we're gonna we're gonna show how to play house state basketball, and we showed it tonight. All right, twenty two points, yeah. eight to seventeen. He's hitting floaters over Edie. Like I mean, every, good. everything everything end of fall, yeah. and it's. I think everything lined up for them to play really well. Winning, who knows? But they. When you think about the opponent we talked about, so this is a team that has a target on their back every time they play. Purdue's bringing in the monster in Edie, number two in the country, at home. So the attitude was going to be there for Ohio State. Okay, we can wrap up a lot of our frustration and attitude and the responsibility for our coach getting fired and all that. We can wrap it up into one game. Then you add, okay, wait a minute. Now the fans see the attitude. So now the fan support, okay, wait a minute. These guys are hustling. They're playing well. And then when you get fan support, now all of a sudden the team believes. Like, wow, they're rallying behind us. We can believe we can do this. And then they get it to the finish line. So um, will this matter when they finish, I don't know, 19 and 14 or whatever? Like, probably not. They're going to need picture, gonna, no. Big picture, no. Yeah. But let's see now what this team can be made of. And it's... 
It's kind of a bittersweet thing because Chris Holtman's got to be really proud of this game. Yet he's like, wait a minute, me getting fired was the missing link? <laughs> like, it's just a weird, yes. it's a whole weird vibe. It is, it is. Yeah. And you mentioned Purdue's free throw shooting and how, you know, the, that team, they went 100% from the line collectively. Bruce has done a great job as well. He was 100% from the line in this game and two of the last three games. He, he's north of 20 and dropped in 18 against Wisconsin. I know that came in a loss, but, you know, there's a couple games leading up to this three-game stretch mm-hmm. where offensively we're saying, okay, what's going on with Bruce? So now that he's back on track, you get a good game from battle, and hopefully some of those guys that contributed off the bench can continue with their confidence going on the road to Minnesota. And we'll see what we get from those guys. But they should absolutely celebrate this win because, as Bruce just laid out, you, you, you knocked off a potential one seed in the tournament. That's something you should be proud of. And, sure. listen, Coach Diebler and his parents in the building and all that. Awesome. 99 team was back. Yeah, Like, it had a lot rolled into it. Now we just look to CB to find out if we should buy on the dip or whether we should go all in now. <laughs> And back the box. Well, that Minnesota line is going to be very interesting. <laughs> I will keep an eye on that. They look okay. good against Rutgers last night. Minnesota did. Minnesota's looked yeah. good. I mean, they had a lead at halftime at Mackey last week. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you'll be our guide, man. We'll have the light and the torch through the cave. Like, well, after <laughs> Sunday, I don't know through, if you should man. be doing that. All right. All right. That's the Buckeye Bulletin. When we come back, when in doubt, blame LeBron. Uh. But. Does he really share responsibility in this? The man to my right says he does. You'll hear it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you miss a live show, you can catch the podcast. If you miss the podcast, our hosts have volunteered to have dinner with you. The meatloaf! Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. All right, final hour of the program. Talk more Buckeye Hoops with Adam Jardy, 233. Get a little taste of the Gene Smith press conference and how we got here and all of that. And listen, this is a, like it or not, it's a, it affects his legacy, Gene's. It does. You, you doled out the extension. This was a financial massive mistake. And I'm not saying you're going to hit on everyone, but it's one of those things. I'm wondering if he feels like, because I really didn't, the one thing I was wrong about was that I didn't think this would happen. I didn't think he'd have to fire him. But I'm wondering if Bjork's like, hey, you're a mess. You hired him. You extended him. You're going to fire him. And I'll hire the new guy. And I'll start fresh. I'm not going to start with on my ledger, that I fired this guy. This was your guy. Yeah. If we all agree that he's got to go, then you're going to be the one to do it, and you're going to face the music. And I didn't see that coming. I, you know, With Gene being here so long, and uh, everybody understanding the kind of guy he is, and being a, a, a classy dude and a nice guy, but this was the bet he made, and he had to to make it and it that's what i was a little wrong about but i also said that maddie a while ago when i didn't know 
that this season was going to take a big turn at 12-2. and two. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of uh, questions that I think still need to be answered. And I, we had Stephen Bardo on on Friday when when you were out. And you, before you left, I believe, you did hear the, the Jeff Goodman clip where he yeah. kind of alluded to Gene having some type of say uh, when it came to roster construction when Chris Holtman was still the head coach. CB, if you have that clip, play that for AR since he was out on Friday. You know, Coach Holtman is one of the best coaches in college basketball, bar none. I understand the nature of college athletics and the fact that people don't have any patience any longer, but Chris Holtman is one of the best coaches, one of the best tacticians, one of the best chemistry builders in college basketball. And unfortunately, he listened to someone in the administration in Ohio State. I won't name his name, but you all know what I'm talking about. Chris Holman wanted to go out and get different players. He was instructed to to develop these guys. When he tried to develop these guys, he ends up losing his job. So I, I feel for the I feel for him and his family, uh, but I know that he's going to land on his feet because he's excellent at what he does. So now that I've consumed that a couple times, Aaron, and I understand that that has actually happened or did happen with Gene and Chris, I need to understand why Gene felt the need to step in and do that, if that is 100% accurate. Was he not asked that the other day? He I, must not have. I don't know okay. all the questions that were asked over there. Mm-hmm. I know he was asked about the extension, and there was some level of you know regret there in his answer when it came to that extension he gave Chris Holtman. Mm-hmm. But the that part of it, AR, to where you have national media members that are getting that information, I'm going to assume, from Coach Holtman and his camp, that this wasn't the way I wanted to go about it, but the athletic director... I don't want forced his hand. I don't know what the correct term is know. to use there, but he definitely had some say in roster construction. Which, uh, it's a little odd for me. It's a good question for Jardy at 2.33 okay. to kind of get his feel on it. Yes, CB? Yeah, I was just going to say the only cut I have from him talking about the young guys is he was referring to he thinks the young guys deserves this in terms of a, a leadership change. Uh, the young men have played hard. They've given a lot, but uh, the reality is you know, the body of work over this last year, we've, I felt, felt no, that they needed something different uh, from a leadership point of view to give them that chance. While they're young, there's a lot of minutes on that floor, a lot. And so they still have six home games in, in the tournament. So I wanted to give them a shot, and uh, that's what they have. I, I mean, he sounds like he's the coach. I mean, I want to give them... I mean, when did the when did the athletic director decide who gets minutes? That's been my like, biggest it, question in all of this. Unless I've missed this story for years following this program, to me, this is new. I mean, to I, this and, level. I, and I say that not that he was doing that while Chris was coaching. I, I know he's saying it based on that. Now that I've changed things, now it changes the whole strategy of the end of this season. Now they can roll out young guys and not have anything. Uh, and it depends. Maybe they can use the NIT as something to continue this evolution. But I think, make no mistake, he lost his job because he's only made the second round of the NCAA tournament, um, what, once? Twice. Twice. And and to add to your point, the productivity within the conference that he coaches in has not been good the last two years. Hasn't been good. So I don't think anybody's banging the table to sit here and say that Chris Holtman deserved to stick around. It was tough times. It was, and I think he would acknowledge that 
as well, but the 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 gene part of this is what's throwing me off. The gene pick. It's yeah. throwing me off, AR, because I hadn't heard this. He, I don't think he does this to Coach Day. I don't think yeah. he did this to Urban. You know, like I just, and just well, and I that, don't know. And at the end of the day, he had to buy his way out of this mistake, which is clearly what big programs and successful programs can do. And when you're an Ohio State fan, you're like, well, okay, it's not my money. They got another yeah. 13 million sitting around. Let's just give it to them and say good luck to you. Yeah. I mean, look what they've done with football now and the amount of money. Right, you spend ten million a year almost on a head coach, and you're like, "All right, well, let's go out and get a couple more two million dollar coordinators or whatever." Like it's it's endless. Yes, CB. Yeah, I was gonna say it was actually three times. The one I forgot was the eleven seed year where they beat Iowa State, but then lost to Houston. Well, the Oral Roberts thing, and like we talked about, you got to cash in when you got a team that can do it, and that that's the most glaring part is when, and it happens to a lot of teams. But if Virginia is going to lose to a sixteen and then bounce back the next year and win it all, that writes a lot of wrongs. Like they were on the bad side of history, and then they righted it right away. Your highs weren't high you, enough. You, yes, your highs was. aren't high enough because you. Could, I'm telling you, man, you make a Final Four. That's when extensions get handed out. That's when. That's when it happens, or even Elite Eight. There you go. That's yeah. it. But you can't go 500 in Big Ten play and get extensions, or and that's way what below 500 over the last two um, years. We won five in, games in, in the conference the last, last, year? last couple years. Yeah, the yes. last couple. Yeah, of years his overall record is probably over five hundred, but yeah. not by much. Right. And but yeah, I mean, you're paying a guy three and a half million a year, and I keep coming back to my stupid, my little scale, which is where do you rank in salaries in America in college basketball? You're twenty three, be a fringe top twenty five team. That's all I ask. If I'm paying you three and a half million a year, if you're a top ten salary guy, you should be banging down the doors of some Final Fours for us, and that's. That's it. And so kind of here we are. Speaking of basketball, there was a, a I, I saw Stephen A. say that LeBron is directly responsible for ruining the slam dunk contest. Now, I, like everybody, I watch the highlights anymore. I never watch it live. I think seeing a guy that's only played four NBA games win a slam dunk cost, contest at 6-2 in this Mac McClung. the money, Mac. I, I don't even get why he's eligible. Back to back, baby. He's not at the NBA level, but if he's the hired gun to make this thing go, that's fine. Jumping over Shaq and all that. Yeah. But where do you stand on that LeBron is the one that sent this thing down a bad road? Um, Or lack of LeBron? I think Stephen A. loses me with the directly word there, but I do hear him in that because I think LeBron and maybe a couple other guys – have caused a little bit of this domino effect in a bad way. For not doing it. Yeah. I think LeBron needed to do one of them. Not even four or five. Just one of them at some point in his career would have, I think, sent a message to the other stars of the league to say, well, if if the King's going to do it or did it, I probably should return that back to our fans at some point in time. And it's just lost a lot mm-hmm. of its sizzle and sexiness for me, AR, because outside of the Vince Carter slam dunk, cast, slam dunk contest a while ago, and you had Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine put on a great show a few years ago, it's a it's a it's a non thing for me. And I, coming out of this weekend, I'm done. Like it's just a waste of time. And even just zooming out from this, I think we should just be done with all of the All Star games. Let's just be done with all of them. <laughs> now, I understand the league and the TV networks are going to hear that and laugh at me because of the money that they can make with endorsements Absolutely. and all that. I get that. But I'm just saying, 
from a fan's perspective, me and me only right now, I am completely done with every All-Star game. Hockey, basketball, baseball, the Pro Bowl nonsense. Like, I don't need it anymore, AR. It does nothing for me. So it does a lot more for them than it does us, I think, at this point. And maybe for young kids it does. But if you think about the NBA struggling over the last 30 years to get their popular guys to do the slam dunk contest. I lived through the heyday of it. And I mean, 15 all-stars have participated in the last 23 years, 15 in 23 no, years. So they went five straight years without one. Yeah. So, but here, but I want to say this because I don't, the stars, what do they say? Uh, the risk isn't worth the reward, right? I'm not going to go in there and do some stupid things, land awkwardly. And I get that. Mm-hmm. I'm actually in an odd way, like erring on the side of, the stars. I almost feel like they've earned the right to balance their health versus what they're getting out of this. I don't know if they if they have to have the carry the responsibility for the league because here's the other thing I'll tell you. I don't know outside of Jordan and Julius Irving and guys way back, Vince Carter, how many more dunks are there out there? Like how many more th- good point ways too. to do it? And and so if I have a guy who gets, because I was like a guy who is not just thrown in. Maybe he's earned the right to be there. And maybe the old guard, the hierarchy saying, hey, let's let those guys have the platform. It's 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 think, actually sad for me that people say, well, it's not worth watching because I don't, because LeBron's not there and... Giannis or guys that yeah. could that I know that are playing every day. I feel like this is a perfect chance to showcase really good guys, really athletic guys who aren't household names and actually give the league a little more broader appeal. And so I'm actually not on Stephen A's side on this. I mean, all LeBron has to do is land awkwardly one year in his prime and all of a sudden it's like that was worth it because they wanted their famous player to be in the dunk contest. It says a lot worse for the league that your other guys can't carry the slam dunk contest. Like the young guys that are in their prime currently, like the John Morant's of the world, the Zion Williams of the world, those type of names that should be carrying this in their mid to late 20s that are in their athletic prime. I I just, for me, when it comes to all-star games and breaks, like let's just make it a clean break. I don't think, and I'm just speaking for me, that if we did away with these things, that I feel like I would be missing anything. We're in this world now where we consume so much of these teams and these athletes 24-7 that these things don't feel as special anymore as they used to. And I don't know, maybe I'm going a little old man get off my lawn with this, but as far as the all-star stuff goes and the festivities, like I'm good. I don't need it. No, it's weird that you and I are on opposite sides of this. It's like the scene out of Jurassic Park, you know, Um you're supposed to protect me. The only guy I have my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. Like, it's weird. But I do also think there's no guarantee that LeBron would have a better dunk than, I don't know, name a guy. Um, Jalen Brown. Or whoever. Or, yeah, yeah, the guys like, that were the- back Back in the day, Jordan, uh, Dominique, these guys were the most athletic guys in the league anyway. Yeah. I don't think... Um, and then Dwight Har- Howard was a freak. And so, but I think the Victor Oladipos of the world and guys that may not be household names, I kind of like seeing it. 
But yes. the problem is when you have one bad dunk from Jalen Brown, everyone goes, what garbage is this? Well, you have was, one bad attempt. He, he had, it's like he he's going to wear this forever. D. Brown was rolling over <laughs> in his grave for that dunk that he did. man. Where you, you know, you hide your eyes. You're supposed to hide your eyes and your face during the dunk. Jalen Brown said, no, I'm going to do that much, after I land. How much does the winner get? Like, 100 grand? I don't know what the number is. 100,000. I don't even know what the number I think, is. I think it is 100 grand. But we shouldn't need it's to, in the CBA. We shouldn't need to incentivize of these course. guys to do it. It, it should well, be no. for the love of the game. Well, no. <laughs> See, and I'm, I feel like earned the right to say, you know what? Let the other guys have the showcase. Oh. Now, everyone's saying, oh, uh, make it a million dollars and they'll all do it. We don't need that. They no don't thanks. need that. No. That's the last thing I want is to make them right. If first place should be a million dollars, something's wrong. Hey, or it's dead. Bring the shovel out with me and bury it, okay? I will do that. Uh, Pre-stamp reads coming up next. Russell Wilson, what is going to happen to him? He's a starter, he's a backup, and if he lands at this team, will it ruffle feathers? Rothman Nice on the fan. If you don't like listening to Morning Juice, Bobby Carpenter's man nipples will punch you in the face. For real. You want to fight, do you? Weekdays from 6 to 9. The fan. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Rockman and Ice present Pre-Snap Reads. Sponsored by the Low T Center. Reinventing men's health care. All right, you've been pouring over the grid for the Daytona 500. Yes, sir, I'm locked I've in. talked to Maddie in to putting a few shekels on this thing. Yep. I got Hamlin, and you've gone deep down the grid, my friend. Yeah, I have. Since I am uh, I'm not a racing guy at all, I scrolled through the list of candidates over at Bet365, and what I'm going to do, AR, is go with a... A man that has a name that I like. You know, how some people the Daytona like the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> you know, some people pick the you know their March Madness bracket based off of colors or mascot or whatever. I am going with what I think is an all name type of guy, and he's low on the list. The odds are absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. But AR, I am going with Mister Anthony Alfredo at plus ten thousand. Yeah, you heard that right, CB Anthony. Alfredo at plus 10,000 because at Bet365, they don't do ordinary. Do you want to weigh in on my crazy Great pick first for name. today? Here's what I got for Great you. first name. Low history on Mr. Anthony Alfredo. I found this out. His first You know race. what his nickname is, by the way? No, what is it? Fast Pasta. I love this. I love this guy already. <laughs> his first race I saw came back in 2021. Guess where? At the Daytona 500. So he's due. He is ready to get busy today. It's never ordinary at Bet365. Sign up at oh.bet365.com. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Come on, Anthony. Maddie, the big Chevy Camaro guy. All right. Um, I saw this on ESPN today, and it's kind of funny. And, I mean, nothing's going to happen that keeps Russell Wilson in Denver. That's 
Oh, you saw Over. you saw the mansions up for for grabs. Oh no, I didn't see that. Yeah, it came out this weekend that uh, you know the crib that he and Sierra and those lovely kids live in is up for sale. And I think I saw you are in the really? twenty to twenty five million dollar window, Mister Unlimited. Yeah, those funds are about to be unlimited when you sell that house, CB. He's ac- oh, you're right. He's accepting offers. Oh, Cherry Hills. Mm-hmm. You know a little something about Cherry Hills? No, I, oh. I think there's a pretty supreme golf course there. Okay, okay. Yeah, I always see the logo. I saw, speaking of Mr. Unlimited, he was actually at the All-Star Game getting, uh, he and his son, Baby Future. I think, the way I, not his son. I, I'm confused on all that, but regardless, um, Sierra's son was getting some uh, shooting lessons from Steph Curry. That's a nice little valuable memory for the kid. Was it? Was the I've seen Steph do this where he leaves the court and he throws, you know. From the tunnel? From, from the tar, the front of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, I always thought they were real. This last one was real, correct? They're yeah. legit, man. Yeah, <laughs> just baseball that thing in. He's, he's just it's unreal. So this is the, this would be the most expensive home ever sold in the Denver area. And I did see that they're accepting offers and providing tours. I, mm. I don't think they would be there unless it was a legit buyer. It's a legit buyer that said, hey, I'm very interested, but I want them there. What if Sean Payton said, I want to live in that house? How do you think that's going to go <laughs> you think Russ is going to give Sean Payton a tour of that thing? No, absolutely You're not. You're going to pay full price. Oh, I know that. Man. This is take. the. Uh, this is the. We talk following breadcrumbs. This is a loaf of bread to follow right here. He gone. He will not be in Denver next year. I just don't mm-hmm. know where the man's going to be playing football next season. Yeah. Are. Well, they bought it for twenty five mil, mm-hmm. and that shattered the record for most expensive home sale in Denver. Previous high was sixteen mil. So it must be. I can't imagine there wouldn't be something like, I, I don't know, like Aspen or something that would be mm. more than that if you bought a property. But this could be from a home standpoint. Yeah. So it is 20,000 square feet. It is on five acres. Okay. It is quite the castle. Shut and up. it does have, for your convenience, 12 bathrooms because I know you, oh, yeah, you know, every now and then have to get up and go. But the home, it does have an indoor well, swimming pool. Is that a... Is that, a that works for For me. that climate, that's not yeah. a bad thing to have an indoor swimming no pool. No question. A- absolutely. It does have a basketball court. Okay. I don't think it's inside. Does he have anything baseball related in that house? Since Russell Wilson was a big I, baseball I'd to, guy? I'd have to look at that. I, I know that they have a guest apartment oh. with its own kitchen. Okay. So, so I got to do my own cooking when I come over, huh, Russ? Well, that's, no, that's no. You, well, yes, but if you buy it, then... <laughs> they will come? Yes, you, you could have somebody it? just in there on their own. I, um, um, yeah, I I would love to be that real estate agent, first of all. That commission, I'm sure, is going to be a nice little boost to your pocket. You know, just doing some studying on the show Selling Sunset AR, I've learned a thing or two watching that show. Where did we go wrong? Mm. So they were on ESPN today, and they were saying that... Mike Tannenbaum suggested that Russell Wilson goes from Denver to the Jets. And then your first instinct is, well, there's no job there. Aaron's coming back. And he said, well, that's right. He'd be the backup. So I got to tell you, that sounds awful from a Russell Wilson standpoint. It sounds somewhat awful for Aaron Rodgers, but he's better than Russell. So I don't think he's, it's, he's not a guy looking over his shoulder. This would only be injury protection, which is if they think that, excuse me, if they think they have a pretty good team and they had no backup last year, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden this would give them a viable backup. So I, under, I guess I understand it from the Jets' point of view, depending on what he would cost. I, AR, I don't know what Mike T's on right now, not Mike Tom, Mike Tannenbaum, because when you were out on Friday, CB played a clip that he was throwing out the idea that the Browns should trade Deshaun Watson for Daniel Jones. Like so, he's he's in his creative mm-hmm. front office GM mind, and I get that we're entering 
the offseason. Where should he go? Doesn't it feel I like... I think Russ is, in his mind, thinks he's done being a starter. So that, for me, I can't get down with the Jets fit. And I'm with you that Rodgers would think and that he is better. But if you're in Rodgers, you still have to deal with the constant aura, if you will, of him being around and the media asking about Russ all the time. And it's like, it reminded me a lot of the rumor a few years ago where Cam Newton was a free agent. People were saying he should go to Pittsburgh. And I was just thinking, that to me, if I'm Big Ben in that situation, like the ego, just the presence, it's just something you you don't want to deal with. Is he that good for people to ask over Aaron Rodgers? Like, I can understand if Russell went somewhere where a guy's like somewhat even branded and even talent-wise, then yeah, you don't want that. But for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, now we have no idea what he's going to do coming off the Achilles, but we have to make the assumption that Russell Wilson isn't a better answer. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers would have to fall so much on his face for anybody in New York saying, let's give this Russell Wilson a try. It's it's I agree with that, but you do run into a situation because you're in New York to where if you do have one iffy game, the press clippings, the the radio shows, it's just it it can become a thing even though for me and you that it it shouldn't be much of a thing. Russell Wilson would be I think tabbed as the most valuable backup quarterback in the league in that scenario. And again, from the Jets front office perspective, that's what you want is that type of protection with a guy coming off that type of injury that Rod- Rodgers had, but I just think Russ still thinks in his mind that he's a starter. Like, so send me to, I don't know, can I get to Pittsburgh? Can I get to Tampa if Baker and the Bucks don't work out a deal? Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not giving up on my starting quarterback dreams of Shadow from Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's not a future, right? He's a bridge. Yeah, I agree. He's with a that. bridge quarterback. So you got to find a team that is into not bottoming out and wants a bridge. And unfortunately, it sounds like my Vikings. Oh. It just does. Doesn't it? It just. You kicking Kirk out? Well, you he's coming you, off an Achilles, too. Yeah, you don't want to pay him. Uh, they're not going to pay him a boatload of money to now. I mean, he What's said the, he would maybe take a hometown discount, but I don't trust that. It's weird. That's where the Vikings are, though. And they're in a tough division. Tougher than it sounded before the year. Would you do two for 80 for Kirk right now? Yeah. Two for 80? Uh, let me think about that. Mm-hmm. Keep things afloat? Yeah. All right, we're going to come back with Adam Jardy and get his take on the gene machine. And what's going on over there with men's hoops? Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place. This is your heritage sports talker and home of Ohio State Athletics. The fan. Ohio sports destination. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The perfect ratio of sports talk, dogs, pro wrestling, and gambling advice. It's science. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, Ohio State men's basketball in the news for good reasons off the weekend. Packed house, 99 team in the house, rally around the assistant coach, take down the monster in Purdue, and all of a sudden, you know, once you get freed up, you can, as battle said after the game, have fun and cut loose. Uh, what happens moving forward, we'll find out. We've got our guy Adam Jardy on the horn now. He's the men's basketball beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch, and he's on the Bryant Heat and Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Adam, welcome. Thanks for uh, making the time. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good to be with you guys. How are we doing? Uh, 
listen, outstanding from yesterday in a vacuum. That was the team that we've been waiting to see all year. Scrap and claw and win 50-50 balls. But before we get to that, I want to get your opinion on this narrative that's been tossed around that Chris Holtman took a lot of the direction on roster developing and construction from the athletic director. And I'm wondering from your standpoint, you can tell me whether you think it's true or false. Gene self-admittedly was not a portal guy. He, maybe he did say, hey, forget this NIL shopping. Let's develop the guys we've recruited. We've got some good classes here. Let's, let's, is there any truth to that rumor that's been floating since the firing? I mean, it, it's not so much that they were anti-portal, but it was that they sat down and had conversations like about three off-seasons ago where they said, what do we think is the best way to build a sustainable winner in the Big Ten that could get old, stay old, and keep us positioned for year-after-year success? And they decided at that time that to build through youth and to build through a more traditional route and then supplement the roster however they wanted to uh, via the portal like whatever needs would pop up when you'd unexpectedly lose somebody and so they committed to this rebuild process um several years ago and this is where they are now which is honestly the thing that surprised me the most in all of this is that this wasn't just a, a willy-nilly decision that oh chris holtman didn't want to hit the portal or whatever that this was a decision they arrived at jointly that put them in this position where they were the youngest team in the big 10 mm-hmm. for consecutive years and they didn't do enough in the portal to offset that you end up in a situation where you are now. So yeah, that's exactly how it went down. I want to stick with the portal angle on that Jardy and get your take on, you know, how you think they've done in the transfer portal. Cause you're coming off a game to where it's a tremendous win for the program in the midst of a very rough season where you have a transfer guy and Jamison battle do his thing, but even zooming out from Jamison, how would you kind of grade, if you will, I guess, how this basketball program has done when they've gone into the portal and come out with some talent. Well, I mean, it largely hasn't been good enough. And that's, that's a big part of the reason why they are where they are. I mean, you can point to some guys that have been impactful. I mean, Jamison's been great. Keyshawn Woods willed them into the tournament back in year two. Um, They've had some guys that have come in. Sean McNeil hit a bunch of shots last year and was a dependable scorer on a team that didn't really have anybody. Um, They've had some guys that have come in and been impactful but it's been their their approach. They haven't they haven't wanted to take away from the development of these young guys, especially these last two years. To where could they have brought in you know a more impact player two seasons ago to help in the backcourt and take on a more significant role? They could have, but that would have taken away from Roddy Gale and Bruce Thornton's development. So they didn't. So you end up in a situation now where you lose what they lose last year, as many games as they did, and then that sets the stage for. Well, now you got to flip it this year, and you got to win at a high level to keep your job. It turns out, and they're in a situation where they're they're still not quite there from a development standpoint. They didn't do enough as far as bringing in impact guys, and they did have you know a few too many misses. You know, even just guys that you expect to be role players that can grow into bigger roles. You know, by and large, didn't really pan out. I mean, like a, a Cedric Russell that they had to scramble and get when Dwayne Washington stayed in the draft. Like he played well against Duke, and then really didn't give him much the rest of the year. You know, you expected that Tanner Holden was going to be a starter on this year's team next to a second-year Bryce Sensabaugh. And obviously those guys are gone. Tanner Holden never worked at Ohio State. He's back at Wright State. So you've got some guys that you thought would be able to give you at least steady contribution, and they fell, fell short of that. And then you also didn't bring in enough impact guys. They clearly haven't done enough in the portal to offset the youth. Adam Jardy with us, Buckeye basketball beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch. We take it back to Chris for a moment. 
And listen, nothing changed. They weren't going to make the tournament after they went on that the big losing streak after the new year. I, I, even if they beat Wisconsin and Purdue, they would have had a tough time getting in. They would probably had to win out, make some noise, and whatever. And I don't even know if that would have saved his job. So I want to get your opinion on that. Did Gene, because there was the other, and by the way, Gene obviously liked him. He extended him. Why didn't he at least extend him the courtesy of being able, I heard he, he didn't even allow him to meet with the team or anything. Like, it seemed like a very weird exit. Can you uh, give me a little bit on that? Yeah, I, I agree that it felt like a weird exit. Um, you know, I keep thinking about being in that arena on Tuesday night and Ohio State's down six. They come out of a timeout. They get a Bowen Hardman three-pointer that falls just short. There was contact. They didn't call it. But um, if that shot goes in and they're down three with about seven minutes to go, like, how does that game turn out? And if that game turns out differently, are we having a press conference on Wednesday to announce that Chris Holtman's been fired? Because it seems very unlikely to me that after beating a top 20 team on the road, that they would have fired him the next day. So all of it does, like the timing is very strange. And the thing that I keep coming back to, I guess, is that clearly like the team played like that, nothing to lose yesterday. And it was a great environment and guys talked about, you know, just, you know, playing with more pace and, and all that. And I think you felt the vibes were different, like a weight had been lifted that there was a different voice and, and all that. I think that's all real. Um, but do we know what this rest of the season would have been? I think, I think you, can, you can say that probably, and you can project however you want to project where this is going to go, but they did still have enough of a runway ahead where you could say, well, if this team goes 4-2 and two the rest of the way, wins two games in the Big Ten tournament, gets a two-seed in the NIT and makes it to the Final Four of the NIT – Oh, and by the way, then you're going to bring everybody back next year and we'll go get two guys in the portal. You know, you could talk me into that narrative. Now, obviously, the butts and seats speak volumes and the atmosphere speaks volumes, and I don't think a lot of people wanted to hear that. But you could make an argument that that could have been in the offing, but that's not the direction they wanted to go, and that's how you end up with a Wednesday press conference. So, Adam, you know how the game works. A lot of Buckeye fans are playing the guessing game, and I was doing the same thing of who's the next guy. Like When you look at the landscape of college basketball, maybe even Coach Diebler, since he's already an in-house option coming off a very impressive win, Like, where did your mind go when it came to the potential names that we should be um, bracing to hear maybe for when it comes to this search for the next guy? I mean, I think the the interesting thing is not really getting having a good feel yet for like where Ross Bjork sits on things and kind of you know what parameters he's looking at this through because that's that's the big unknown in all this is we're going through a leadership change at Ohio State and how does that impact who the, who they can and should attract? I mean, I think they should be looking at you know guys like Dusty May, um, you know Lamont Paris at, at um, South Carolina has, has been getting a lot of a lot of buzz, a lot of talk. You know, did they make another run at Greg McDermott? I think there's a lot to to like about a move like that. Um, you know, Sean Miller right down the road at Xavier. Does he? He's doing great work at Xavier. I think he feels very comfortable, very happy there. But does he want that chance to get back on the biggest stage and and try to win at the highest level at Ohio State? I don't know how realistically you can consistently do that at Xavier. But if you get it rolling at Ohio State, you could. So does that? How appealing is that to him? I think I think that puts him in the in the in the conversation. And then, I mean, you could give me 20 different names and say, well, would, would Scott Drew be interested? Would, should they call, you know, uh, name, name another great coach? And it's like, well, yeah, sure, call them. I don't know how real, realistic that is right now. Um, but they've got, they've got a little bit of time here. And I do think, I think the Dusty May situation is fascinating to me because I don't know what Indiana is going to do. And 
he's he's got his ties to to the Hoosiers. I mean, he's a ball boy for them. You know, do you are you able to get the guy who Indiana thinks is going to be its next coach? That that there's a lot that could be really appealing about that from a you know just a, a, a I guess out outside standpoint. Absolutely, um, great stuff here with Adam Jardy. All right, final twenty seconds. Were you under the when when did the line did the line become for Chris Holman? If you make the tournament, you're safe. Did that line move at all during the season for Gene Smith? Because it felt like he was going to at least get to the end of the season. And then, because everything is about March anyway, did, did he put that in place at a certain point this season to your understanding? Yeah, to my understanding, it was about a week or so before the move was made that that was the expectation. If you make the tournament, you're safe. It's pretty much that's, that's going to be it. And so that was, that was where the line was drawn and then within a week or so, that that changed, and then um, then that's where how we are where we are now. Yeah. All right, my man. We'll uh, stay in touch with you. Thanks for uh, jumping on. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep. Adam Jardy from the Columbus Dispatch covering Ohio State. He was on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Yeah. Once that became very apparent, they weren't making the tournament. And then, like I said, you got to be very careful. I mean, if he did go on a weird run <laughs> and actually makes it, but you're really not really that confident he's the guy then you got to pull the plug now yeah i mean if they would have beaten wisconsin and purdue and all of a sudden like how did he do this he pulled a rabbit out of the hat sports is wild man sports is a wild thing and uh bits throughout the idea on friday that he said watch this buckeye basketball team win against purdue and i said you know what sports sports is strange i wasn't all the way on board but now here we are and i listen i i just can't wait to see what's next and look i know coach diebler may not be the favorite or one of the favorites but if he goes on a run here that's gonna make an impression on bjork but I'm, I'm going to assume that there's going to be a search on the outside for who the next guy is. And Stephen Bardo told us on on Friday or when you were out that he believes that no matter who you are, when Ohio State calls, that you're you're going to listen. Well, here's the good news: you paid a guy about 13 million to go out the door. If you paid another guy three, now your next coach, on average, is going to be paid seven and a half million a year. <laughs> if you count the money that just went out the door. We'll come back, tell the truth. Rothman and Ice on the fan. No hot takes, no dancing, plenty. Of stupid Bishop and Friends. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The fan, Ohio sports destined. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, take us home. All right, so today is National Chocolate Mint Day. So Ooh. I will kind of remix this with our mint chocolate chip flavor and ice cream mm. that I think a lot of people like out there. Some people think it's not very good. It seems like a controversial topic for those in the ice cream debates. But my question to you is, where does mint chocolate chip rank in your ice cream rankings? That's oh, high for me. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. It, I, I think it's... It is tasty. Mm. I mean, once you get past the usual suspects and you want to go a little bit off the board, you know, I'm, basically I'm taking vanilla and chocolate, strawberry off the board. Um, and I'm I maybe... I think two of those need to be on the board. And, <laughs> chocolate and strawberry. Get it out of my and, face. And I'm... Probably years ago, you could get me to replace mint chocolate chip with cookies and cream, but I'm not as much. I do like a cookie and 
cookies and cream blizzard because you're getting a little more of the chunks of Oreos in there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can get as much in ice cream. I would say the mint chocolate chip. I used to think regular chocolate chip, vanilla with the chocolate chips, was a little better. But I would say mint chocolate chip is probably in my top three. Okay. If I'm sitting there in front of the the whole barrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's in my top three. I have no beef with it whatsoever, but my mind goes to, you mentioned cookies and cream and chocolate chip cookie dough and vanilla bean, and I'm a big fan of over at Cold Stone. They got this cake batter flavor that I think is absolutely tremendous. So it's not in my top three, but it might be in my top five. I put it on the slab. Oh, my goodness. Um, You want to break up a couple Thin Mint Girl Scout cookies, 2 AR, and crumble those into it? Then we're really partying. I think I'm going... What a butter pecan. I'm trying to... I think chocolate, like chocolate peanut butter or something like that for me is probably number one. You a butter pecan guy? Used to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's a win for me. What's up, Okay, so we need to spin off of this because another thing that fits that chocolate mint category, which you kind of just hinted at, Matt, is the... Uh, thin Mints, the Girl Scout cookies. Where does the, the Thin Mint for you rank in the Girl Scout cookie range? It's easily in my top three. You put them in the freezer, refrigerator, mm-hmm. it's a win all day long. I'd probably mm-hmm. have the Thin Mints with the tag-alongs in there and mm-hmm. probably, oh boy. Are you a Samoa? I'm not a Samoa guy. I'm a Samoa Joe guy. Shout out to Samoa Joe. There you I'm go. I'm not a Samoa guy. They're, they're in my top three, though, when we talk about the Girl Scout realm, they are. For sure. Yeah. What, what the Samoa is like? Basically, a fudge stripe with like coconut. Is that the deal? Yeah, I think um, that's what it is. Yeah. The peanut. They they do a peanut butter tag along, correct? So they, they have the, the tag along, yeah, and then they, they have the uh, the dosi dos. Okay, so which is the ooh, oatmeal cookie I with the peanut butter in between? Got about the dosi. Oh, wait a minute, I don't know about that. Oh yeah, we got to get you hit to the dosi dos because I knew they came up with the s'mores That's not that long ago. Can't but go wrong. I would go tag along, mm-hmm. thin mint. Okay. And then whatever he actually, you know, old school. I kind of liked a little, like a little trefoil, like a little shortbread. My dad action. loves that. Yeah, one. you know, you get a cup of coffee or something. You're like, man, I'm dunking that thing. You're yeah, getting all sorts of stuff. Uh, but I would me. say, but I need to know more about this one that you brought up. Yeah, so they're oatmeal flavored cookies with peanut butter in between. Yeah, I think people are like oatmeal. It's either like yay or nay. There's not a lot of middle ground on that. Yeah, I agree. Handle the truth. All right, the Daily Fan Poll. It's sponsored by ER Auto Care, Masters of Our Craft. The question is, how many of the final five regular season games, which are at Minnesota, at Michigan State, Nebraska, home versus Michigan, and at Rutgers, of those five, how many will be wins for this Ohio State team? Will it be all five, four of them, two to three, or zero to one? So usually you guys know the card I play when you ask a question like this. Usually Don't I just say, say they're, they're winning all of them. Like usually that's where I, I go. But no, CB, I'm not going to do that. I actually uh, think I'm going to try to think clearly here. I'm going to go two or three. That's a choice, two or three? Well, I think that's a gift. Hmm. I think that gives us a nice little like spot um, where they could get revenge on Michigan at home. Because I think that's going to be a big push to do that. After they blew that game there, mm-hmm. you probably, I mean, depending on what Nebraska team shows up. So I feel like even if you don't win both at home, you can maybe pick one of those off, maybe pick off Minnesota while you have momentum, although they do too. And Rutgers is so hit and miss, but going there is tough. 
two is two to three is I think okay right now. I think that they've been freed up, mm. but now they got to live up to what they just did, which might put a little more pressure on them. <laughs> um, it's also yeah, they'll definitely. I shouldn't say definitely anything with this team, but I feel like they got two in them here. And you're you're just talking regular season, right? Yep, these final okay. five games, two to three. Did window. you say I know my truth? I know my truth. All right, I have to finish up with this would you rather because I know based off of Matt's reaction to having the tubs in our rooms in Vegas, I think I know which way he's going with this question. But the question is, would you rather be able to take a three, or only three-hour bath, three-hour long bath, or a three-minute shower, and there's no in-between on those times? You can only get those time ranges for each thing. Oh. Three hours in the tubs, that's a hot minute. Well, you're you're risking slipping under the water at that point, falling asleep. I can swim. They call me the Black Michael Phelps. You didn't know swim. that. You didn't know that. That's, you didn't know that's the nickname that I grew up on. In figurative. Yeah. Oh, CV. Does that mean you uh, rip a lot of bongs too? Well, where are we at? You know what? I wasn't sure whether you were talking about swimming or something else. <laughs> you know what? That is a fair question when you bring up the name. Michael Phelps. No, CB, I'm going to go with the three hours in the tub. I take, you know, the headphones in there. We fire up some Netflix or Paramount Plus yeah. or whatever. I think that can make time go by a little So this bit. may surprise you. The kid grabbed one of those barbel baths at the at the Mandalay. Uh-huh. I did on the last. Uh, yeah. I was so, because I was so weak and I felt, I'm like, I need to just Man. get a good soak going. And I tell you, I fill it up. Way too high and way too hot, and it and, and it ruined the whole thing because I had to wait like 10, 15 minutes for the thing you to cool it? down. And then I had to drain some out and add some cold water. Oh, man. You could tell I never do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably the first bath I've taken in twenty years. I mm. feel like mm. get you some Epsom salt in there. That'll make I your wish. body feel good. All that stuff. You didn't do it. Set you free. Was supposed to lead us the with a massage at the spa and the baths. It's like CB saying he's going to go to the gym every day. Oh man! Before we leave, if you miss anything uh, throughout our show, if you ever miss anything throughout our show, wherever you get your podcast, type in Rothman and Ice, and all of our goodies will be there waiting for you. Yep. Thanks for listening. Comment and T-Bone up next. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Rothman and Ice and the fans. We know everything about you. We know you love the Buckeyes. We know you love the jackets. We know you're wearing a red shirt. I just freaked the hell out of someone. So bad. It's a fan action update. This action update is brought to you by ESPN Bet. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you are anything like me, betting the Masters is always on your mind, especially after the Genesis this past weekend. The current Masters odds at ESPN Bet have Scotty Scheffler, the favorite, 8-1. Rory McIlroy, 9-1. John Rahm, 10-1. You can find Tiger Woods at 66-1 to win the green jacket. For your ESPN Bet action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Sports Center.
Good afternoon. I'm Ryan Baker. Still riding that high from the Buckeye basketball team in that scene at the shot yesterday as Ohio State upset the number two team in the country, Purdue 73-69. to The Bucks back in action Thursday night at 8 on the road at Minnesota next. As a result of the loss, the Boilermakers dropped just one spot in the latest AP poll behind UConn and Houston to number three. The Ohio State women's basketball team remained number two in the women's AP poll behind South Carolina. They're back at it Thursday as well at Michigan State, 6 p.m. tip. The Brooklyn Nets have fired head coach Jacques Vaughn. The Nets are 21-33 and and in 11th place in the East. And the Daytona 500 gets underway in about an hour from now at 4. The race was postponed yesterday due to rain. This one's sponsored by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, a no-risk, all-rewards path to real weight loss. If you're not happy with your results in the first week, get 100% of your money back. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.